So we're going to start today on another book of the, or another epistle of the seven that, uh, uh, of the last seven books that Paul penned. And, uh, we finished up last week with, uh, Philippians, which I think probably should have been the first one in, but men that studied God's Word, I think, realized that there was lots of things said in the way that Paul uh, did these letters that uh, it would probably easier that Ephesians come first rather than second in terms of, uh, you know, the way our New Testament's laid out. And so uh, I don't have any great qualms with that, but I, I can now kind of say and understand some way as to why it was that way. We're going to start in a minute or just a little bit and study 87. And today's study, what part of it we can get involved with is, is going to be on this date. And this date is 4 April the 7th, uh, 2021. But I got this, and I, and I named it Wisdom to start off with. And I had Jack's book, uh, The Workman's Interlinear. He, he sent me a copy as soon as he got them published. And, uh, I had looked at it a, a, a little, but not a, not in great detail. But I realized there was a great amount of knowledge there that we needed to look at as we went along in this study. And I named my part of it Wisdom. And uh, I took some of what you find in Colossians 2 and also in Timothy, in First and Second Timothy from this and began to realize that what happened in Acts 2 was a very integral part of the whole that we now see as Mysterion truth. And we realize and we understand that we were, those people were told to wait into Jerusalem until the Comforter came. And I had heard about the Holy Spirit quite often, but not really knowing the Holy Spirit as the Comforter uh, as well as I should have. It's really been a blessing to me. But I'm just, uh, I've got my notes in Ephesians and Philippians, and I ran out of paper in my little book that I keep my notes in. And so I'm going to uh, put it in my drawer that I keep my stuff in that I want to keep. And I'm starting a new book with Colossians. But to go back to wisdom for just a minute. And some of you, probably all of you have heard me read this before. But as Ronnie always says, there's a reason that... uh, you know, we, we do these uh, studies, and some of them get quite long, and this one has been. And uh, But to start off with, it, I have learned a lot. And I think maybe the, the teacher probably gets more out of it than maybe any student does. I'm not sure about that. But anyway, here we are. And I'm going to read this again. It's just one page. And it's my notes. It's just my ideas of what I had written. 
And I read it. I, I read it. Yeah, I wrote it this way. It says, we see wisdom as a gift of God, that's for sure. To know both heavenly and earthly truths, generally speaking. And to advance what we have been given can be expanded either by God for the heavenly knowledge that we need or by man himself to inquire of those people who know more than other people know. And I've come to the understanding that we're not on the same level in our understanding because that's pretty self-explanatory. These people who by their experience have obtained knowledge and learning of this, the earthly, uh, quite a few of them go on to the merging of these. And it gives us the opportunity to become wise. And the principal ingredient of this has got to be love. And we're not talking about so much husband and wife, but agape love, the love of God. And God gives us this love with hope, I think, without the expectation of return. And we get it freely. It's a, it, That's part of the gift, if you will. And it is the, it is a part of the divine essence of God which shows to mankind to share and regard others above ourselves. And this is something that Satan never does because those people that only tend the things of the earth or this earth uh, don't really care quite much for others quite often. But we need to regard others above ourselves if we know this understanding. And man without The indwelling Holy Spirit is not complete in thought and deed. And I ask myself the question, well, why? And when I answered it for myself, was this, because he openly relies upon the traits of this world without the teachings of Christ or God in mind. His directions are misguided, as oftentimes he is also misguided. And with this in my mind, I would bring into our wisdom study to begin with two English words. And one of them is an adjective and it is sage. Have you heard anyone say, well, he's a sage. He's a smart individual. He has wisdom beyond normal. And that means to be wise and perceptive, number one. And two is to be based upon wisdom showing judgment, which is a noun. And it can mean very wise from age. And oftentimes respected for wisdom and experience. Because there are times... 
when we come to the understanding that we just don't know it all and never will. But God gives us these things and portions. And that's the reason we send our children to school. That's the reason we send our children to college. Because we are sending them to these places to get more abundant wisdom than maybe we presently hold ourselves. And if you ask most any teenager, they think mom and dad, well, they don't know anything. So, you know, it kind of goes back to the roots from where we came. And the second word is sagacity. And I didn't get this from Scripture. I got this from Noah Webster. Because in more room than one in my house, there's a dictionary. I even understand that English was not one of my tall suits in school. Sagacity. I don't know if Noah Webster was a believer in God or not. But I'll tell you what he wrote. And it's pretty profound. Sagacity means showing to be wise in quality, also in quantity and judgment, and to be ingrained in the knowledge of God and God's discretion. Having penetrating intelligence to be used for self-learning and the ability to teach both earthly and spiritual direction to the human race without bias. To do it in a way that you don't take sides. Because if you're talking to somebody that doesn't know God, that's probably why you're speaking with Him. And a lot of times we don't know where God's going to send us. And so sometimes we look around, and I've, I've had other people to say, well, I live here in this place, and there's nobody around that believes like I do. I said, well, that's the reason you're there. Huh? (laughs) If you know God in a special way, then that's a plus for you. Good point. Now, if you go back to David, David's son, when David's son was going to become king of the Jews, he asked God, God asked him, well, what do you desire? And he says, I desire wisdom. So God gave him wisdom. David was, would have been able to build the temple, but that job was given to David's son, who took over the the uh, the seat of king of the Jews, because he had not shed blood, but David had shed blood, and so you know that's something that we learn. Learning. For teaching, was known in Proverbs as good work. And the king of the Jews said, 
Man, all else is just vanity. All this work that you're doing, it's just going to fade away one day. And the Bible teaches us that. And we can look back now that when Christ was here and he went to these places and they wouldn't accept him, you can't hardly go back now and find one on the map. Because the book that we're about to get into was to the Colossians of Colossae. And I don't know that he was ever there. And some say, well, they thought he did, and some didn't. But he got quite a lot of his understanding from Epaphras. But the writers of the Companion Bible in their notes says that you can't find uh that uh, people have went there and and these people that look for hidden things and olden things have said there that uh, they know about where Colossae was, but they're not really sure even now because there's just no sign of it. Well, the creator of the world, if he comes to a place and and says, listen to me, and they don't listen, and he kindly, he kindly forgets that, I think. So, here we are. Oh, quick question. How do you spell sagacity? Oh, sagacity? The correct spelling, yeah. S-A-G... A-C-I-T-Y. I I got it right. Thank you. Sagacity. You can look it up in in Webster's Dictionary. That's where I got it from. And, you know, uh, we're here for understanding. We're here for knowledge. And God gives us this, uh, these things by which we can go to. Now, turn with me. If you have a companion Bible to page 1780, because we're going to look at the epistle to the Colossians. And Ronnie does this in his study all the time, because it's kind of like the address on the envelope. But here we're going to have to get over somewhere into chapter 2 of, of Colossians before we get to the address on the envelope, so to speak, because I think a lot of these uh, epistles were written uh, were written with a an empty spot there to where they could have their name put in it whenever they got a copy of it, and uh, and so that that may be part of it. But when you look at it, when you you look in the companion Bible. At these uh, introductory notes, you get a lot of understanding from them, whether you agree with them or not. Uh, it's food for thought, and so we're gonna we're gonna read the introductory notes, and then we're gonna get into chapter one of of Colossians, and it's gonna be a little bit. The first part of it. It's going to be a little bit different from what we've been doing because there's not a whole bunch of notes in it for a ways through there, and there's a reason for that. Because when Jack wrote, when when Jack put together his workmen's interlinear, there was a lot in Ephesians and Philippians that needed to be brought forth as to how he got what he got from God and also not only to understand that God on the cross had forgiven us of our sins but that the Lord 
was hid in God in the heavenlies, making a way for us to be with Him at His appearing when He when His body is filled with these saints that have lived for Him and did the work for Him and did the callings and the things that God wanted done uh, by them while they were here on the earth. And so, quite much of this is doctrinal. So, it's a little bit different from the way Paul started it out because, you know, if... Looking back on it, if I'm looking and thinking about it, I'd say, well, we, Philippians ought to have been first. But I don't really stand on that ground right now because he starts off with what has given us to allow us to know his truth and His wisdom and His understanding more deeply. And He does it in Ephesians 1 just boom, right off the bat. But now when you get into Philippians, He he does kind of the same thing for a little bit. Then He gets over to chapter 3 and He says, well, you know, all these things that God gave me, being born who I was, what I got growing up, and all this stuff. He said, now I understand that all that was nothing but a bunch of dung. And I'm going to pile this up and I'm going to swap it for some things that I want. Because... It, it it would it, it would give me the opportunity to be like Christ and to know what he went through and what he did and if anybody did Paul did and so the sufferings and and the things that that Christ could only teach while he was here and the things that Paul got the Father did not let the Son teach that, even if He knew it. He did not let Him teach it until later on. And you know, when when you go back and you look at the dates in the Companion Bible, it starts out at 4004 B.C. And boy, when I first became a believer, I said, why a number like that? Well, you know, it says in there that they, with the Lord, is like a thousand years with man. And so at 4 B.C., His Son showed up as man out of the womb of Mary. From a single sperm. And so he became God's man that Adam could not do. Adam was the first man, but God's son took that place with flesh and blood. And so God as man, the guy, part of the Godhead as man, did what we could not do for ourselves. We no way we could do that. And so now we understand that our faith is not very powerful as being born on this earth is who we are, born in sin. And it, and it's and God points to us that our faith is like filthy rags, but our faith is the Lord Jesus Christ's faith because 
He promised God way back aeons ago that he'd do this, and he did every bit the way it was supposed to be done. And so our faith in God now needs to be tied to the faith of the Lord Jesus Christ. And it's the Lord Jesus Christ's faith that gives us this understanding, gives us this Holy Spirit. It gives us what we need to be able to understand God and a portion of God's will. Because I, in this, where we are here on the earth, we can never know it all. It's, that's, it just, that's just not a possibility. And a lot of people don't understand that. They say, well, I, I know Christ died for my sins. And we don't have to live under the law so much. But it, it's kind of iffy there, too. But here we are. We don't have to go out to the pasture and rub the head of a bull that's going to be slaughtered for our sins for one year because Christ did it one time and He took that blood into the, the heavenly, the heaven of heavens and the Father accepted it for us if we choose to accept His grace and truth and mercy and all of the things that goes with God's nature as best we know how. And so there's just lots of things that, uh, you know, that's changed. People say, well, God's the same today, tomorrow, forever. Sure He is. But the way He deals with mankind does change because he has brought in different dispensations or different economies down through the down through the ages. That's the reason we got the book of Acts. Okay. Let's let's go to let's go to the introductory notes in Colossians. It says doctrine has more place than practice in the epistle to the Colossians. Well, this very first little sentence tells us that doctrine has a greater place there than practice because what Paul was telling us in Philippians and Ephesians was more practice than it was doctrine. Now he knows God has shown him uh this good news that tells us now that we can adhere to and that we can become a part of that way. There is a marked resemblance between it and the letters to the Ephesians, a prominent element of both as well as of Philippians, being the apostles' insistence upon the reality of our union with Christ as having died and risen again in Him and the necessity for holding fast the head which is in Colossians 2.19. He is the head. The Lord Jesus Christ or the Lord Christ Jesus let's put it in truth that way is the head of all things. He has paid the price that we could not pay. He has bought us back from sin and from death and those things that we could not do for ourselves. Now, the subject is number two. Colossians, like Galatians, proclaims our freedom from the elements and rudiments of the world. Well, 
You know, and and I, I heard my grandpa talk about this one time. It says, even when Columbus came to America, he said the people that we called Indians had some form of worship that they they worshipped that they did, and so and and they had elements and rudiments of what they knew or what they could understand of the world. What these elements are is sufficiency explained by the terms ceremonialism. They did a a practice every so often with these situations. The rites and ceremonies of religion as distinct from Christianity. So we see that even people that have never heard of God have some form of uh, belief. So, and 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 they do it. I guess you could call it religiously. <laughs> Quite often, man does too, whether he wants to admit it or not. So hence, Paul's earnest admonition against a return to such Jewish or other in so much as this is to deny our completeness and perfection in Christ. Practically, it is to say that he is not sufficient, that something more is needed to be added to him, some ordinance is wanting, to make us quite complete. You ever heard that? Got to add something. Man teaches man this all the time. <clears throat> but as the apostle unfolds to us that we died with Christ, and consequently ordinances are of no use to dead persons. In this epistle, all practice all practical holiness is shown to spring from the holding of true doctrine, i.e., or other words, our life is the outcome of our belief. Then our standing being complete and perfect in Christ, we cannot grow in the standing but we may grow in the knowledge, the experience, and the enjoyment of it. So that you a, see, that is a very good point. Our standing in Christ is locked. Is locked. It's it's there. It's it's what we need if we say I believe. Not God forgive me because He's already done that on the cross. With he, it cost him his blood and his life as a human, or as human as he could get. So the statement in two one, and this is the reason we're talking about Colossians chapter two. The statement in two one indicates that the time of writing the epistle, Paul had not yet visited Colossae. Although commentators are divided on this point, some believe that the apostle could the apostle could not have missed out the city in one or other of his missionary journeys, although there is no mention made in the book of Acts. Other other referring to one seven. It says, hold that Epaphras had been Paul's deputy to bear the good news to his fellow fellow citizens, for he was a Colossians that you find in Colossians 4.12. Now, the date. The epistle was written toward the end of the apostles' first imprisonment in Rome about 62 A.D., if you want to look at Appendix 180. The Phrygian city 
of Colossae was only a few miles from Laodicea, the importance of which gradually increased as the other city declined. Both so entirely disappeared that only in recent times were the sites discovered in various ruins traced by modern explorers. Wow. So you see, uh, if, if Christ visited there, that would be one foretelling thing that, uh, they didn't accept him. Even if Christ was there. Much less Paul. But now Paul had people, uh, always moving back and forth. He had an entourage. And, and Epaphras, not Epaphroditus, but Epaphras was one of them. And Epaphras evidently took what he got from Paul and carried it back to them. And so they had quite a lot of undergirding there and into God and to God's Son and what He did that these people would would have learned about through Him. And so here we are. And, and, and so whether He went back there or not, that, that that's something you can argue about if you want to argue about things. But here we are. Colossians. The epistle of Paul, the apostle to the Colossians. So, he's going to write back to them because he's now heard about them. So, this is the study 87. And it's, like I said a while ago, it's, this is the seventh day of April. 2021. And I'm going to read out of the King James Version and I'm going to read my notes, which is pretty close to what's being said here. And then I'll read what Jack wrote to you. But you won't have to turn and wear your Bible out right now for two or three weeks or four or five weeks to get all these other things because in Philippians and in Colossians, you should know the basics that Paul has put forth. Because those two were basically, I think, written first. Maybe Philippians first, but it was put in Scripture second because I think the people needed to know more about what Paul got with this new understanding that he had. And that was the reason for that. So it says, Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ, by the will of God, and Timotheus, our brother. That's how he starts out. So looking back at verse 1, it says, Paul, an apostle, one who is sent forth on some special passage or message, or Aaron. And then he talks about an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God and Timotheus, which is Timothy. We know him as Timothy, our brethren in Christ. And the notes in the companion Bible says, Timothy also may could have met some of these uh, people of Colossae, maybe through the association that he also had with Epaphras. So, I don't think we can readily say that, uh, that Paul had been there. Now I'll read you what. Jack said, down, brought down from the Koine Greek. And these uh, little spaces in here, and I pause a little bit sometimes when I read this for your understanding. And Ronnie says they're 
What? Breathing. Oh, breathing marks, yeah. In the Greek. Okay. In the yeah. Okay. That's what Mikey taught me. All right. I didn't, I, I, I didn't get that because I didn't, a long time I didn't have a computer. And then even longer, it's one that don't work very well. Yeah, we had, uh, on Tuesday nights for a long time, Mike did Greek stuff. Yeah. Okay, it says, Paul Apostle. And here's the breathing space of Christ Jesus. Through the will of God and Timothy the brother. And so we bring it down to the more modern age where it says, Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ, through will of God and Timothy the brother. And so Jack, this is Jack's notes. Paul is keenly aware of his apostleship. He realizes that he is an apostle for one reason, that God willed it. Paul shows no regret, but he happily accepts his calling, and he carries it out with joy and fullness. He realizes that he is a sent one and has gone... And will go wherever the Father sends him. Timothy is with Paul in his imprisonment in Rome. That is not to say, and we should not say, that Timothy is also a prisoner. Paul is given great latitude in his imprisonment there. Timothy stays with him and helps him with his various endeavors from the bondage. Timothy is known by those who know Paul. That is not to say that Timothy has not met the Colossian folks in person. While that is a possibility... It is unlikely since they, there is not any indication of this in the Scriptures. The Scriptures are mute on that subject. Okay. There is no, there is no notes here where to go and where to look. There's not going to be any tonight except Maybe a couple that I put in there when I was with well. Verse 2. It says, To the saints... Well, there is... I guess there is an a address here to some extent. To the saints and faithful brethren in Christ, which are at Colossae, full stop. Grace be unto you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Christ Jesus. And I'm going to reverse them. I didn't on verse 1. It's easier for me to do this. Then I'll read my notes. My note says to the saints and faithful, those called and separated uh, brethren in Christ, which are at Colossae. Grace, he says, this unmerited favor, this favor of God that shows God's love in all aspects, whether we can understand them or not, Because God's grace deals like the rain deals with man upon the earth, with with with, with the good and the bad. It falls on both. It, 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 you know, it it's for everybody. Okay, this unmerited favor for everybody. It says, "Be unto you or to you and peace." 
Okay, what we read here, we talk grace and peace kind of is harmonized together quite often. Uh, that's God's love, and, and God's love should show to us His peace. If 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 we're on the same page, so to speak, with Him, that that gives us a lot of latitude. And peace there is to join prosperity. Uh, and that prosperity goes with peace and quietness. And quietness goes with peace. And rest and harmony. And rest and harmony goes with peace. And if you want to look that up sometimes, in the Strong's that word uh, is... Is 1515 in the Greek. And it, it's peace to you and peace to me. And it comes from the Father and from God and Father and the Lord Christ Jesus. Because the Godhead shows us that there is no notes other than what Jack wrote there's nothing that we need to go and look at as far as places away from what we're reading here in verse 2 of Colossians it says to thee to thee in Colossae there's that space Saints and faithful brethren in Christ. Another space. Grace to you and peace from God, Father of us. So that's the way it comes down out of the Koine Greek. And in the English, to the English, it says, To the saints and faithful brethren in Christ in Colossae, Grace to you and peace from God our Father. And then Jack has written this. Paul is not singling out two special groups here. He is rather characterizing the Colossians in two ways. They're saints and faithful brethren. It should also not be considered here that Paul is trying to accurately judge the character of this assembly. Naturally, he knows that they in general fit the description that he has assigned unto them. He wishes... To them, by the way of salutation, grace and peace. He knows and has the inspiration of God to wish these to this assembly certain grace is always freely given by God to His body members. And he wishes them peace as they face the day, the days of their lives which are ahead of them. These are both grounded in the person of the head, the Christ and God our Father. How much time we got left? 926. Okay, we're going to go another verse anyway. We go to verse 3. Verse 3 says this, We give thanks to God and the Father of our Lord Christ Jesus, praying always for you. Here is this prayer that Paul puts forth that he is, I think if he's not out loud with it, he's constantly thinking of it. If 
He's doing the work of the Lord here. And so, my notes in verse 3 says, We give thanks, and that's uh, thanks is 2168 in the Strong's in the Greek. And it means to be grateful or express gratitude. And uh, that that says what grace is. We give thanks uh, to God and the Father of our Lord Christ Jesus. Praying. And this word praying here is prosukamai. And it's always for you. Praying for you. That's the verb. And that's the verb of it, right? Not the noun. And so, that, that's what he's given us there in three. And so, looking at it in the workman's interlinear, out of the uh, point A great, says, We give thanks to God Father. Of the Lord of us, Jesus Christ, always around you pray. So that's how it comes out of the Koine Greek. It says, We give thanks to God, Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, always praying around you. So it's not, not exactly the way it's written. And the King James Version. And there's no notes that goes with verse 3 either. So, not a lot of flipping pages that we <laughs> have been looking at. But it's it's a, that's unusual that he didn't... Well, it, it, we, we'll get to the point where that'll okay. change. So. But, uh, because the stuff that's been told to us in Philippians and Ephesians should be in our mind already. It should not be mm-hmm. something that we would have to be continually going back to look for. So that that's part of the picture here. It says, Paul and Timothy among the believers in his presence are thankful to God, Father of our Lord Christ Jesus, for these beloved ones in Colossae. Paul tells them that they are always praying around them. Some might say that they have drawn a circle of prayer, of protection around the Colossians. Yet protection is not the only concern. They are encircled by the prayers of the believers for everything which comes into the circle of their lives. Now think about this. What a way to think of our prayer responsibilities and our opportunities in that. Now Jack really lays it right out on the line. He he don't draw any he don't draw anything back on that when he's no. and he, and he gives a lot of stuff a lot of good thought and sometimes I think we don't appreciate the people that we come in contact with, people that teach or people that try to teach or people that have a testimony that might cause someone to look, to understand and to put their mind and heart together and allow the Holy Spirit to work that out in somebody else's life. Because that's that's what our testimony really is. Our testimony is to share what has been left with us in understanding and knowledge and wisdom that can be used by yourself to others that they might begin to look and see and understand. Because you see... And we'll we'll stop here. Other than 
my little sermon here. But, uh, you know, Christ came here as a human being in 2004. I mean, uh, in 4 B.C. That was 4,000 years mm-hmm. from the year to the year. Yep. That he showed up as being uh, God's human that could do the work that the one they created did not do by Satan being here. Okay, his ministry was from the time he was 30 years old till he was 33 years old, and they crucified him. We just went through this this last week, that that he was crucified, put on the cross, and and uh, and the guy in charge didn't want to do it. And he said, and they said, "Well, give us Barabbas. We don't want this. We don't want this Jesus guy. We don't want him." <clears throat> and so that was in AD twenty-nine. Because when you add his life and his three-year ministry, you're talking about 33 years here. Because he couldn't start his ministry early because they could get Joseph and Mary for what he said and, and, and charge them with a charge too. And he certainly didn't want his earthly mother and, and, uh, the father her husband to get uh, done away with. So that's uh, basically 29 A.D. Well, here Paul is beginning to write these things that he got this message from God 30, about 30, 31 years later in 60 A.D. And so... uh, Paul knew that he wasn't going to live a long time after this. And when he was given this message, uh, if this was going to fill up the body of Christ, if this was going to these members, these saints that have the Holy Spirit and are rightly dividing and looking at the Word of God daily, And doing the will of God as far as witnessing to others that another 25 years, if Paul lived another 25 years, that wouldn't be, that probably wouldn't be enough to see results of this. So he had to tell it to people. They would tell it to other people who would tell it to other people. And guess what? We've gone from A.D. 60 to 2021. So if another two days is 2,000 years, we're looking at 2060 right down the barrel, ain't we? Some people are. I know I'm not. But uh, I've already lived beyond what God had promised me. But the fact is, that uh, some people have looked at these things and said, well, they feel like that, that things are going to be taken back up for finishing uh, maybe sometime in, you know, around that, that time. Or it could be that time. Not saying that it is going to be that time. But certainly, with what we see and what we understand and know, it, it's certainly a possibility that that would take place. And people have put everything they could think of in these computers, and then it reads out something like pretty close to the same thing. So I, I don't have... Uh, the only problem I have with it is I have <coughs> grandchildren 
and great-grandchildren that still may be here. And whether or not they believe their grandpa or their great-grandpa or not to come to this understanding is a thing that's kind of heavy on my heart sometimes. Because a lot of times your children, uh, like we talked about earlier, your, your children will look at you and say, ah, Mom and Dad, they don't know what you're talking about. Uh, because they haven't experienced the things that their mother and dad did. I did the same thing. I thought Dad was a kind of a quirky, goofy kind of a fellow. And, and he did things that I didn't think was right, but still, you know, I couldn't do anything about it. Uh, but, you know, one day he come back. He come around when he's getting bad, when his mind started getting bad, and he said, "Cecil, I know you guys have been studying." He, and, and, but he said, "You know, I don't know that much about scripture." But said, "I know y'all know a lot that I don't know. Would you mind sitting down and talking with me about it?" And I said, "No, when you want to do it." But I said, "Now you can't just do it in an hour." Or two hours. Don't expect that because it could cover years, Dad. And he said, well, I don't know if I got that much time or not. (laughs) And I said, well, you kind of started a little bit late, Dad. But I said, when you get ready, give me a buzz or come by. We'll sit down and, and I'll give you a little bit as I can. He never did. He wasn't long after that till he was in the hospital and out of his mind. And they couldn't give him a shunt to allow him to get the poisons out of his blood. And so he became someone that couldn't under, couldn't understand. Uh, you know, even though you might he might try to teach him, but he, he just couldn't understand. And then uh, they got him in the hospital, and and they just quit feeding him. All they gave him was something to keep him keep him calm. And he didn't last very long. <clears throat> but that was that was something that always kind of falls on my mind when I'm when I'm trying to teach this. To realize that Dad had life through his name, but he was not part of the body of Christ. I don't think. Now this is, say, well, Cecil, you're making a judgment. Well, I guess I knew my dad better than most anybody else did. Probably better than two of the three women that he married. Because down through the years, he couldn't discern the love of God or he couldn't discern the love that he should have had for his mate in the right way. And it became lust for him rather than love. And and I said... As long as I live, that's never going to happen to me. Even though before I became a believer, I could see that and understand him because I lived part of that with him in that situation. But that's, that's just some of the things that we learn going down through life. And, uh, so if you're trying to teach your children or your grandchildren, uh, be careful because they might would rather hear it from somebody that they weren't akin to rather than the ones that they live with. And I've seen that happen 
I've lived I've lived now for Christ fifty years. Come July or August be fifty years. Seventy one to twenty one. Well. And uh my grandfather was a Wesleyan Methodist minister, but he didn't know it. I couldn't learn it from him. My dad didn't know it because he lusted rather than loved. So I couldn't get it from him. And when Brother Larry Dyer came to Wolf State Church when I was there, not a, not not a Christian. <clears throat> And I sat through four or five of his sermons and I said, where has this man been all my life? So you see, I had to go somewhere else and look for him. So, if your children say, ah, mom, that's just, or dad, that's just something you believe, I'm not sure I want to go along with that. What do you do? You just have to keep trying. Keep praying. Because prayer can change lots of things. And a good woman can too, in my case. <laughs> Thank God for them. So God bless you folks. And uh, appreciate you being with us. And uh, hopefully we'll learn a lot in Colossians. <laughs>